Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Thanks for joining us once again. And today we have a guest on, Elijah. How are you going, brother? I'm going very well. How are Thanks you Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on. It's uh, I've been following you for a while on Instagram, so I was like, I want to get this guy on. As totally. Have a bit of a chat. Waiting for the day. See, yes. See what, see what you're into and all that kind of stuff in terms of dogs. So, well, let's get into it. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into dog training and all that kind of stuff. Well, like as we were sort of talking about before the recording, it's like the almost the textbook story of um, a dog trainer, which for me, it's like I don't even know that stuff. Like for me, it's just I have a dog. He's a terrorist. I hate him. (laughs) I literally want to throw the dog out. Like I'm crying every day. Like I'm like, what do I do with this dog? Like I know he has potential, but like I have no idea what I'm doing. Now, which dog is this? Because you've have you got two retrievers? I have two retrievers. Yeah, right. How old are they? They're both they're both six, around six. Like Ollie's six, Murphy's about to be six, so they're only about six or seven months apart. So it's a bit of a okay. Did you get them both the puppies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's craziness, bro. What you do? So 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 one was only seven months old when you brought the second one in. Yes. Yes. And that was Murphy. So Murphy was the second dog. Ollie. So basically when we started, I started with Ollie. I was only like 18. I got him for my girlfriend, but like that was never going <laughs> to be a thing. So I had him and we did like heaps of training, puppy school, all that sort of. Are you still still together with your girlfriend? No, not that. Okay. No, yeah. no. <laughs> it was never really her dog. But for sure. This is a dog know. podcast, Panos. Come on. Hey, come on. I had to ask a question for the listeners. I By the expression on your face, I kind of felt it, but uh, I'm no, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, basically got him. He was just a really good, like, genetically sound dog, like, amazing dog. But I unknowingly did, like, almost everything right with him. But not to, like, my credit, just took him out everywhere. Happens. Took him to work with yeah. me. Took him to all my friends' house when I went. Always had him with me on a leash, but always, like, let him off leash. And we just did whatever. He came to work. He followed me around. So, I was lucky in that regard. And I was like, oh, dogs are easy. This is fine. He's only seven months old and he's already my perfect dog. I'll just get another one. It'll be amazing. I'll just keep accruing dogs and it'll keep being like this. So, obviously, it doesn't go like that. And then I get my next dog who is still to this day one of the highest drive dogs I've seen. Just a regular everyday pet dog, but like insane. Like I've never seen a golden retriever like like him in my life. He's just like. 100%, 100%, go, go, go. And from the Same start, breeder? No, different breeder. Yeah. So, again, this is where I learned a lot of lessons, obviously, in retrospect, was like all the things I saw at that breeder to me now would have been red flag, red flag, way. red flag. Just like the way she was, the things she said about the dogs, her dogs, how she would. I was like, oh, all right. Well, let's let's try and provide some value for the listeners. So, what kind of things did you see? We obviously without naming names, but it was like, what were the red flags? It was just like the mother. So Murphy's mum. She looked in just like terrible, terrible condition. She had kept in what like, way? 
she was just like decrepit, mm. old. And I'm like, that could be because she had had that, you know, that litter and she'd had like two sure. or so litters very close together. So I, that could be that. Well, that's a red flag too, right? Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Um, basically, she was like, oh, it's really good for, you know, the dogs to be just chained up out there. She had one of her own dogs. She had about 11, 11 retrievers of her own that she'd just been keeping. Wow. Uh, just chained up sort of outside in the rain. Very like farm breeder, backyard sort of farm breeder vibes. Uh, <laughs> now that I understand. But before I was like, oh, this is very normal. Yeah, and totally. Just- What's normal, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To some normal to her is abnormal here. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of the way she was with the dogs. Like if I walked into, you know, anyone's house now and they were like that with their dogs, just like, oh, these are the dogs. And it's just madness and the dogs are everywhere. Like you walk into the house and you just get the vibe. The Mm. dogs are on everything. They're in your face. It's not professional. It wasn't professional. no control. It's just almost like a zoo for golden retrievers in her home. So- which for me at the time, I was like, oh, this is amazing. There's so many golden retrievers. I love dogs, mm, like that kind of shit, you know. Yeah, well. And then, yeah, just all these kinds of things. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, they were all red flags. Maybe Hindsight's I'm- 2020, eh? Mm. Yeah, exactly. But okay. it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. But I also wish I did do that because now all the stuff I know. Is obviously well, like, so you what bring him Murphy home. like? What, yeah, you what, bring him home and, and, then, yes. and then what happened? Well, so I brought him home and he was actually like, he was a really good dog. He was just a lot more full on than Ollie. So when I first brought him home, it was sort of fine. I just introduced him to Ollie. That was pretty hectic. Um, and obviously, like all the things I tell clients now, I did all of them the complete opposite. So I just brought him home, left him with Ollie. They met. No crates, nothing. It was just them all the time together, hanging out and just the vet was like, you know, don't take him out, blah, blah, blah. So we did all that. Didn't take him out. He probably didn't go out. I think it was almost to 17 weeks because he had been with Ollie and Ollie had bit him sort of on like the midsection, pretty much just around his genitals. And then he was getting a big lump. So the vet was like, well, we can't vaccinate him because of this. So it's going to be about 17 weeks. So you got to make sure you just don't take him out anywhere in that time frame. So for me now, I hear that and I'm like, oh my God. Was it the same vet as you had? Yeah, it was was the same. It was the same vet. And she had said that to me with Ollie, but Ollie went to puppy school. So it was sort of like, I guess he got that, you know. Mm -hmm. That's obviously better than nothing. I obviously now still wouldn't do that, but it's. He still got something. Um, yeah. But Murphy had got nothing. And I was always thinking, oh, Murphy's messed up because, you know, he didn't go to puppy school. That's what I thought. But mm-hmm. not actually. He's messed mm-hmm. up because he didn't have any socialization with the world. He only knew home and Ollie, which was yeah. like probably the biggest downfall. And one of the things I always tell people now is to not let your dogs imprint on each other, especially when you're bringing a young puppy mm-hmm. home to another dog because that's pretty much always going to end terribly. You, you know, in saying that, I just wrote something down here that, and you said like, oh, I wouldn't, like what I did when I brought Spades home and the reason why I brought Spades home was a oh, 13-week-old puppy at, at the shelter this ridiculous. I'll take him home and look after him a few weeks, gets a bit older, I'll bring him back. And obviously we kept him. And, yeah, if I thought back on it too, it's like, yeah, just here you go, I'm going to board up this section of the house. Actually, 
if I thought about it now, I boarded it up. I know Ace could have always left, but Spades couldn't leave. But at the end of the day, just like what you did, we just let the puppies just do whatever I wanted. Here's your house. I'd wake up 3 a.m. and he's got my sunglasses running around. I'm like waking up, doing all this stuff. But but in but on the flip side, every dog's so different that even though I wouldn't recommend doing it, I did what I did and it just worked out to be what it was and it was completely sweet. So it's interesting when we know more, we, we, we give this guidance, but sometimes just winging it, sometimes it works out well and other times we have these issues and it's, well, I didn't do this with my other dogs. Why do I have to do it now? Yeah, exactly. It, that's interesting. But anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, so that, that basically all happened and then I would take him sort of to my friend's houses with their dogs and he was going really well. But I think where I messed up a lot, two things is got him to sex. So at that time when I had my dogs, it was sort of when the vets were like, they have to be de-sexed like as soon as you get them. So as soon as you can, we de-sex them. So I think both of my dogs were de-sexed at like, like very young, like definitely younger than 20 weeks. Like, yeah, wow. That's done. early. Yeah. And for hit for Ollie, nothing. Didn't notice anything. But for Murphy, it was like completely different dog. Because he was almost like his balls were almost dropping at that age. So it's like he was in the middle of sort of some sort of process and that mm-hmm. just completely cut. So I think for him, I noticed a massive change there, just in his whole temperament. Because he's a very I hate to say, but he's very alpha dog. He is like the king. Mm-hmm. dog so i think that would have been a big part of his personality and probably a great part of his personality that he never really got so it left him very anxious and just very very skittish because he wasn't like i didn't notice any of that stuff and not that it wasn't happening because now me probably would have noticed it but very confident with the other like little puppies playing all that kind of stuff fine very sort of bold dog but then all of that just sort of changed and the biggest sort of turning point there was when I had Ollie, I took him to the dog park as soon as I could take him out. And it was like, this is the best day of my life. This is the best experience. Like very good dogs. He just went into the park sprinting around with all these big dogs. Amazing. So he had really good experiences in the dog park, which basically made him bulletproof around any dog ever. But Murphy did the exact same thing, thought it was going to go the same way. Goes into the dog park, first thing happens, all the dogs run at him and just gets attacked and bitten, like literally straight away. Oh. So, obviously. How old was that? 17 weeks? That would have been about 17, 16 yeah. weeks or so. So, so everything that went, yeah. that everything that could have gone wrong kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, I'll just brush that off. It was like, now if there's a dog like literally one kilometer away in a house, who just makes a sound, he's he's on it. He's barking. He's going ballistic. He's doing circles on the lead and trying to get out. It's like insane. And I still really, to this day, I haven't seen a dog quite like that bad. Not that they're not. Obviously, I know there are, but to this day, just looking back at him, I, I can't even believe like the reactivity and just what that caused. And silly me, very smart dog owner, I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll continue to go to the dog park, you know, for the selfish reasons I feel. Everyone goes to dog park. Oh, it's a good place. It's good for my dogs. All this, blah body blah blah And then again, gets attacked again at the dog park. So, twice. Damn. Okay. So, then obviously, then I'm starting to clue on maybe this is not the best place to be. And we skip forward. Um, 
I don't know, maybe about a year and a half, two years. I'm living in Newcastle. I'm sort of on the process to try to mend him, doing like, okay, not great, but okay. Um, and then an off-leash, probably bull mastiff sort of Great Dane looking dog, some bull mastiff type, rushes me and Ollie or Ollie, I and him. And then I, I'm looking around. I can't see the owner. And this is Newcastle and I don't, not to make a judgment, but in Newcastle, people are very loose with the dogs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have very good dogs. And so a lot of people are just loose with, especially around the area I lived. Um, and he just came up to us and then Murphy didn't like that, but he was sort of chill. He just let out a little like, because I don't like when you're sniffing me there to this random dog. And then the dog pinned him down and bit him. So that again, sent the whole spiral back another, you know, hundred runs. So yeah, Damn. basically. How old was he when you moved to Newcastle? He would have been a year and a half probably. Okay. So, and, you, and then you seek dog training advice after that? Yeah, well, the whole time I basically, like, my puppy trainer, who I obviously thought was, like, the czar, I had just, I would be always messaging her, like, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. What do I do? Is this, that? And just sort of, like, the common shit, like, looking on the internet, my dog's reactive, my dog pulls on the leash, what do I do? Obviously, the worst place to look for advice is Google for that mm-hmm. kind of thing and videos. But it's one of those things where when you don't know, you, you don't know. Hey, like, you know, I, if I had to fix the hinge of the door, I'm going to type in how do I fix the hinge in the door. Exactly. Um, I would have, obviously, because it's been so long, I wouldn't ever think about how, do I, how would I stop reactivity in a dog. And, of course, if I, had nothing, if I had nothing to do with the dog training world, of course it would be something that I would write in Google. And, oh, my God, as soon as you said that, I'm like, imagine the advice that comes up. And even just looking at five different websites, would screw your brain up because it's all probably conflicting, right? From yeah, that perspective, all- I sort of feel for the owners, you know what I mean? Like mm. think about how you felt at that time, probably reading s- several different sources of information can be quite confusing, right? Yeah. Which might cause you to feel like, like what am I actually doing here? Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. And then how do I know which train is right, which train is wrong, right? Yeah, exactly. Then- and it's almost like when you're- for me personally, I just felt like this is not fixable. Like there's no like there's no way you could reverse this. And that's sort of like the the mindset I was falling into. Cause then I I met a trainer at the dog beach and then I was like talking to him and I was like, Yeah, cool, like my dog does this, blah, blah, blah. And then I messaged him and I messaged him and he just never got back to me. And in my head, because I'm sort of it's not a great trait, but it's good for me because I learn a lot of things this way. Not that it's great. But I was like, okay, if this guy's not replying to me and I've tried with this trade and this and it's not working, I'm, I have to figure this out myself because like none of this is helping me. So then basically from that point, I was like, I need to fix this dog. Like if I don't fix this dog, I'm giving him away because he's making me like, sure. it's literally making me depressed. And like, I would even like talk to my partner. I'd be like, I think I, I think I have to give him away. Cause like, I would just spend days like, like in a depression. Cause I was like, this dog is like, I don't know what to do with it. Mate, I think that story is everywhere in the suburbs, you know. I think there's a lot of dog owners out there on a daily basis who are in in that situation right now. Would you agree, Panos? Yeah. Uh, and I think the more people are getting the dogs, it's like, well, it's almost like, well, it's a normal thing. We move out, we move in together, we get the dog. It's like it's part of that process. We get the dog before the kid, 
we get the kid and then with all that process and you can see like that that common trait of this like even just today this the the dog that i saw it was it was just bonkers it's been a while a while maybe like a couple of weeks since i've had to deal with such intensity and the dogs bait in just a quick little nutshell completely like they have no idea what they're doing they got an american staffy he's pent up the advice that they got was ridiculous and what was the, the advice they got um from the trainer that i know that they use so like they didn't have to go into too much detail but basically it's oh he's a puppy you keep him in the pen you only take him out to your toilet uh, you yes. feed him in there you don't pat him we, blah, we've blah, heard blah, this story before yeah, yeah same okay. guy right and um and then from there it's you got this nine-month-old American staffy. The collar is so tight on him because they cannot get it off him. It's a martingale, so you can't even unclip it. You got to like, and it's been on him for too long that he's, you know, like the oil on his skin and stuff has melded in with the with the material and the adjuster. So it's tight, and you touch that collar and he'll bite you. And it's like, oh my god, what do you do with this? So anyway, we can get into that story and like how I dealt with it. Um, but basically, completely overwhelmed getting the wrong advice, you got the wrong dog, such a small environment. And it's like, where do we even start with everything that's wrong in this situation? It's like, well, we need to get that collar off him. That's number one thing. We can't, I can't leave today without that collar coming off. So yeah. by the end of the story, we went for a walk. We're getting him used to it. Every time there's any time, a little bit of leash pressure, he's fighting the lead. It's intense. I got my Kevlar gloves out so he can't buy through him. And, and I basically flooded him and I got it, I got it off him without a fight, but it took like an hour and a half. And um, and I'm like, look, I'm going to see you in two weeks. Practice just some raw basics and just try to get him up and down the driveway because they don't walk him. And it's just, they're over, like it's so overwhelming even for a trainer. Where do you start? I can tell you all the things you need to do, but what's some pragmatic advice you can do in the next two weeks? And we need to focus on that. To um, be fair on them, there's plenty yeah. of people who would have just taken him to the local shelter and just gone, see ya. Yeah. And that's and that you, when and when I go to the shelter and I see it, I see exactly that dog, the exact same dog, look in a different suit, and they're all at the shelter, and and sometimes it's the best place for them to go, because now in a larger situation, you know you're yeah, common sense is not common, and that you're like, well, I'm going to try to fix this, I'm going to try to, and we, I want to hear the rest of it, but it, but most people have not that have not that mindset along with the time, the energy, the situation in life to be able to deal with it. And sometimes a shelter is the best place for them, right? Because yeah. we help them, we fix them, and hopefully they go to the, the right place. But it's craziness, hey? So how did you get out of this pickle? Well, lucky that, I mean, honestly lucky that we live in a time where you can basically teach yourself anything mm-hmm. with the help of YouTube. So back, like for me, I was just lucky to find people on YouTube that actually made sense, like common sense in my head. Like I started with just watching heaps of Tom Davis videos and I was like, oh, like what's a tool? What's a prong collar? What's an e-collar? Just slip collar. What are all these things? And I just started with experimenting. Like I got a, you know, a cheap, just shitty sort of slip lead that I had, you know, from Amazon, which I still have and I still use. And I put that on him and I was like, oh, this is a little bit easy to control this powerhouse of a dog. And I was like, well, it's not fixing. What did you have on before that? Just a flat or a harness? Yeah, or well, I originally, I had harnesses and then I would like run with them on the harness and things like that. So, I was always, the thing that for me, I'd always done well and I've always done well since I've had dogs is I've always been doing stuff with them. Like I've, I've always done obedience and I've just always taken them out. So that's one thing I could look back and be like, oh, good job, Elijah. That's great. Like you've always 
they've always had their exercise and they've been out in the world always. They've just been ruining my life whilst they're doing it. So, I had a harness and it was just regular, like regular flat collar kind of thing. So, I put him on the slip and I was like, oh, this is cool. But it was a weird thing because even at that point when I had put him on the slip collar, I was like, is this okay? Like, are people going to be like looking at me weird because I've got this slip thing? Because I knew nothing. So, for me- Am I putting a rope on my dog's neck? Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) even people like, that's a a slip knot. Yeah, exactly. So, it was just that kind of mindset. And I was like- no, I don't care, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is helping. It's helping me at least handle him and now I can take him out for walks. And then I was like, you know, sort of watching just every single dog training video that Tom Davis has ever done. And I was like, this actually makes sense. Maybe it's more more than just my dog being bad. Maybe there's some things that I'm doing in the house or maybe there's some things that I'm doing when he sees another dog. Am I reacting? And I started to actually think about not just the behavior that he shows, but like what leads up to it, things like that. And starting to notice more than just, oh my God, he's reacting at another dog or it's just so annoying or why reading body language and the situation all that. Exactly. And I basically was like, I'm going to get a prong collar. Let's see that. So I got a prong collar, started using it, albeit not very well. And it was just basically trial and error because I wasn't sure how to, you know, use it properly, but got the prong collar and then just started Basically from there, like lots of work with the prong collar, lots of just practicing and perfecting like the walk in my driveway, perfecting the walk down the street and started to realize I don't actually have to take this dog for a walk to the park every single day. I can just walk him up and down my driveway. And and while you're doing this, you're using food and positive reinforcement, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm using everything. So I started basically just like all food, all food, all food with everything. And I was like- Oh, this is going well, but there's something missing. There's limits. Yeah. And then I stopped using food at all and just a flat collar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is also going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I sort of started the tools, started the food, because I started to figure out, hey, if I just have a loaf of bread in my pocket, Murphy doesn't care if that dog is barking at him through the vents. He still wants to bark and he's still very amped up and whining, but he doesn't completely lose his mind. So I was starting to like put these little- Was it legit bread? Yeah, no, legit bread. I love that. Because they would just take the bread from the bench. And I was like, they obviously love that. Uh, so I now I can to, hold it over you. Yeah, I started to take it out in my pocket and realize if I have this bread in my pocket, even if I reach to my pocket and don't get it out, this dog that he barks at every single day and he literally has a mental breakdown when he knows we're walking to it, he stops focusing on the dog and he completely focuses on me. So, I started to figure out there are some powerful reinforcers here for him that I can use. And if I use them correctly, I'm smart enough to figure out how to get him to be okay in these situations. So, it was sort of that knowledge paired with now my friend, the prong collar, where I could get him into situations and feel a little bit more relaxed that I used to never be able to get him. And like, I could never get him 50 to 80 meters away from another dog without him reacting. Like, it's and when you're using the pinch collar for the first time with no actual somebody showing you how to put it on, how to, how to work it, you intuitively working on it with, of course, help of videos, where you're using more like popping pre- or pressure. Are you giving him like pops on the lead and go, hey, stop it? Or are you like using negative reinforcement or were you using both? And did you even know you were doing any of that? Yeah. Well, no, is to answer that last bit. But Trial and basically, error. yeah, the first thing I would do is like put put it on him. And this was with every tool. So, I had used every tool, like a front clip harness, 
everything but a halty like face harness I have used on Murphy. So basically, I would just I just put it on him and I just went for a regular walk, still allowed to do whatever, no rules. But I just wanted to see how he interacted with it. So he would he hit the end of the leash by himself, and then he was sort of like, hmm, oh okay, reacted well. Was just like, oh, there's actually a barrier because before in his flat car in his harness. There is no barrier. It's like a it's ping just, pong ball, and they're just bouncing around. I just want more. You're lucky you had a golden retriever doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I would. I went for my first walk, and it was like bearable, like not much tension. He would hit the end of the leash, but it wasn't as intense and rigorous. So there was some semblance of normalcy. And I went for that walk, and I was like, "Oh my god, there is hope." So basically, from then, I really tried to sort of hone the skills and learn more about the Pronker, like specifically. So I was just videos and videos, how to use it, when to apply the pressure, when to use the food, when is the right time to correct, when is the right time to not correct because you might suppress a behavior. So I learned a lot about suppression of behaviors when I was going through that process because at first I got a bit trigger happy, it's just correct, correct, correct. And I was like, yeah, he's not reacting. But very quickly, I realized that's not actually changing much. It's just stopping it in the moment, which for me was good. And probably causing more conflict, right? Exactly. Over time, yeah. But that obviously came with a bit of time. So basically getting into situations where now I can train him and now I can use the food and the things he's already good at. Like he's already great at his obedience. He's already great with the ball, with the food. I know how to get his attention. So then putting him in situations where he's, you know, within the threshold of other dogs, but still being able to train him without him losing his mind. So as that started to happen, I started to feel more hopeful and realize, oh, we actually can do something with this dog. So so I just have a drink of water. You drink your water, buddy. Take your time. Yeah. Then basically if we, I don't know, fast forward, move back from Newcastle, Still just training. Where's training. back? So I live in Sydney, obviously, just out west, like northwest. Mm-hmm. So, so like what hills or where, where yeah. do you live? Yeah. 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 So basically, moved back in with my parents and just, but because I'd been in Newcastle that whole time, the only thing I could do because I didn't have any friends or anything there, I just moved to Newcastle with my partner. So all I was doing was training my dogs and that's it. So it was basically every day. Twice a day, three times a day, we're out maybe two, three hours a day. I'm just with the dogs, just with Murphy, working on it, working on it, finding out everything about him. Why does he react? When will he react? When will he not react? All that type of thing. And basically, it's hard for me to pinpoint the moment, but there was a moment where like he kind of or we both switched when it was like, oh, now I'm not barking at every dog. Now I'm not stimulated when there's a dog at the fence. Now I don't care if there's a dog 10 meters down the road, five meters down the road. Things like that. And then just continuing to do that, continuing to do that using, you know, various tools, just basically putting myself through a dog training school on my own on the internet. Um, But, yeah, and then it got to a point where I would be somewhere with a friend and they'd say, oh, my dog's doing this, my dog's doing that, my dog pulls on the leash, et cetera, et cetera. And I would just say, oh. I've seen that before. I've seen that before. Let me come over. Like, if you want, like, I'll come. It'll just be fun. I just get to hang out with your dog. So, basically, just started doing that, helping friends, helping more friends. And then one time, one of my friends was like, oh, help my mate from work. 
blah blah did it and he was like oh here's some money and i was like no it's all good like really that please i don't want it and he just put it in my pocket and i was like put it back on the table he put it in my pocket i was like whatever walked off and then basically that's just when was out of the business that would have been i think two years ago nearly mm-hmm. so nice yeah, it was so what during covid i think it was at the beginning actually yeah, yeah. Okay. Would have been, probably yeah. would have been at the right when everyone decided to get a dog. Yes. And what's Murphy like now? What's a walk like for him? A walk is amazing. Mm-hmm. So now, like I can, like I never probably would have imagined this because I was like, I'll never be able to walk this dog anywhere. But now, if I if I go out with him right now, if it's the morning when he's like squealing like a pig, it doesn't matter. Now he knows we can walk down the street on a flat collar. I can walk him all the way to the park. And he knows that if he just stays with me by my side and does what I ask, doesn't have a mental breakdown, he's going to get what he wants, which is to run after the ball 50,000 mm-hmm. times. Beautiful. Now I can take him anywhere. And for me, it's almost like just going for a walk with him on the leash is it's heaven for me. And I just do it to remind myself like what is possible when it comes to dog training. Because How, how long was it before you could um, stop using the prong with him? So, I mean, I was probably using the prong collar on and off. So, I would rely on the prong collar a lot. Like, in my mind for a long time, I was like, I'm just going to keep using this until whatever. And there was just a moment maybe it probably would have been like, you know, six months or maybe four months before I was started to help my friends. And I was just like, oh, let's just take the prong collar off some walks. And I can't sort of pinpoint it. But there was a moment where he just switched and he was like, he just never pulled again. Like he just realized that this is something I can't do anymore. And it was a weird moment because there was a day. I remember like- How long was it until that moment where you're like, hey, the, the classical conditioning of all of this is kicking in and whatever, whatever, and all the technical, that, that was actually what happened. What age was he when that happened? So that was 2019 at like the end or like the middle of that year. So he would have been- He's five and a half now, six now. So he would have been like three and a half to four. Okay. So that and was why two years of like, like every day. Mm-hmm. Like, and why for you didn't you go, hey, look, I'm, I'm learning and I'm getting all this stuff that you didn't reach out to get somebody to come out and help you specifically? Is it because you had like no faith because you saw a couple of trainers? I think so. I think it was that. And like I was saying, not a great character trait by me from me is that I'm very stubborn. So if I think I can learn something, then I'll just say, well, I can do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? But it sure. worked out. Yeah, totally. And so what do you do now? What is your situation now? Like that obviously was like your backstory. What got you into like understanding about dogs? We've been speaking, you know, in, in, in over the last month or so. Um, so I know what's, what's happening on your end, but like where you're at now, what was the catalyst to be like, Hey, um, I don't want to just like help people here and there. I want to actually help people professionally. And obviously, you know, if you, you know, you guys check out Elijah's, um, Instagram, you're getting a lot of content out there, um, giving a lot of good information. Where was the point where you go, Hey, I want to actually pursue this for real. I think when I started just helping people, like from the first time someone gave me money, I felt like very uncomfortable because as I was saying before, like I don't 
see even still really like i don't see myself as a dog trainer i just see myself as a dog owner with like obviously now a little bit more knowledge than the everyday dog owner but i just see myself as a dog owner that fixed a problem that's really that's how i see it so basically when i started doing that like started helping people that's just my mindset i'm just like i'm just here to help you Mm. i've just had the same problem that's how i would even tell people like oh my dog used to do this and because it made me feel comfortable because I felt I didn't feel very comfortable going into someone's house and saying, I know more than you. Mm-hmm. Because really, I don't think I only know, I only knew the slightest bit more than them. But I realized that little tiny bit was huge for someone because if they don't know anything, I've already been through all that stuff firsthand. So I would do that. And it's just a, just a little process of going through various clients. But something that did happen, which was very, for me, very fortunate. I was reached out to by just a rescue like online center. So they basically just gave me dogs to train. So they would foster dogs to people and then I would go to that person's house and I would just train the dog. And then the lady who ran the center would give me money and it just worked out. So I got to get my hands on like a lot of dogs from her. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I love doing this. That's a great, that's a great way to get, you know, how to learn. I I think it's probably- only the only way right like one of the notes that i read here because i was thinking about is that i i considered myself a dog trainer only when i started training dogs and like obviously everyone got into this in in a different way um that that in that intuitive way of of handling dogs working with dogs and of course you know 10 years ago when i started youtube was pretty dodgy and there was not much like it's not the information like now the information age that we're in now is crazy um but um, with all of that sort of experience, it's the only way, right? You're going to understand like what's a different dog because you're training your golden retrieve, and we we know that you know every dog is different in their own way, and goldies can be you know not as powerful and strong, and even though I've seen a, a, quite some intense behaviors from golden retrievers, but every breed's so different. And for you, it's not like well, I train my dog now; I could train everyone's dog. It was that, and I think what's what's a key thing um, to hear, which I didn't know, is you know, going to different houses and dealing with so many different people and then giving the advice and go, does this actually work for other dogs? Yeah. Um, and um, and I think that's really powerful. Have you um, had any formal qualifications in dog training? No, I haven't. So I think when I was in Newcastle, actually, going through that process with Murphy, I skipped over this, but I did, I did reach out to um, basically to do the NDTF. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at that, but at that point I was like, is this legit? Like I had no idea what anything was. I didn't even know. I was like, is this a thing? Like, because I was asking like my other trainer, how do I like, do I have to do a TAFE course? Like, what do I do? Like, I had no idea. So I reached out to them and then I was like, I don't know. I think I just got scared. Cause I was like, is this real? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. So that was basically probably like my only attempt at that. Mm-hmm. But because I worked a full-time job, like also studying, doing electrical, I was sort of like, well, yeah, I'll just do it after I do my TAFE thing. But obviously, I haven't. For sure. So, yeah. so your job at that time was an electrician? Yeah, well, doing yeah. an electrical apprenticeship. So that's pretty much been my job until two weeks ago, Thursday. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice Propelling yourself in, in, um, in the deep, and I love that. Well, look, so I, you, were I, still, you were still an apprentice? Had you finished it or not? No. Okay. All right. Look, you I ever think, see um, yourself going back to it? Well. Like, hopefully all goes well and no. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever be short of dogs to train, put it that yeah. way. So, we'll see, but hoping. 
Well, look, like, I guess that there's a, there's definitely like a, a personality that gets drawn into, you know, training dogs, especially in the capacity that, that we do, because you got to be able to be here at, you know, 8.45 and still be talking and getting into it. There has to be passion. There has to be the capacity to be able to talk and talk for hours and explain. And like, there's a personality to it. And I th- don't think like so many trainers and like, especially like, you know, in, in the more recent years have gotten a qualification just because you have a, a piece of paper, <laughs> but you've done the course. That's great. And you are technically a qualified dog trainer because you've got the qualification. And I, mm. I agree in one sense, but it's still, you know, part of the, you know, I guess the, the qualifications are important. I think it's nice to be part of a network to understand the terminology, all that sort of stuff. And I think it really helps with, you know, um, applying it to the most important thing, which is that practical. Um, well, it'd be like if, you, if becoming an electrician was literally just like reading a book or watching some videos and never actually like doing any of the actual job, as in like the way you learn a practical job is by being by being the apprentice, apprentice. Right? exactly, and doing sure. the physical thing. But what if your dad taught you all the stuff and you knew everything about it? Is like, but do you have your qualification? So that doesn't mean the person who did TAFE and was the apprentice is a better electrician at the end of it. So I guess that's my point: is that you know, there's so many. Well, you people also that- can't be an electrician without being licensed, <laughs> but that's a different story. But yeah, well, it, it, according to AS standards and shit like that, right? But yeah, yeah. for sure, you are, and I probably wouldn't get a friend to come over and go, can you like fix the electricals? Like, no, mm-hmm. I got friends that are electricians and they are coming um, to fix it. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean for dog training because there is no, no qualification. No. You, I can rock certain up and I can give you some advice. Right? right. Yeah. And, and, um, and anyway, you can just YouTube stuff and you can probably fix your dog. You can listen to most of the episodes here and get the theoretical content. You can watch the videos, but yeah, the hands-on does it, how does it work for here compared because the dog that didn't like me touching his collar, I'm like, oh yeah, he'll be right. And it's like, oh no, he's not gonna be all right. This is gonna be a, a, a bigger effort than what it was. And like gloves and all. You know, so exactly. And um I think I think that's one one of the most important things. And I, and it's so cool to hear your way into it because there's so many people that I know that kind of went a different a different route. Um, that's awesome. So two weeks ago you decided I'm not going to be an apprentice anymore um, for electrician for now and hopefully never. And <laughs> I want to train dogs forever. Um, we had a discussion. I, you know, you asked me my advice and you know what happened for me. My situation was so different when I was 21, like a whole bloody whatever, 11 years ago in terms of position that you are because if you have a family now and you have all this stuff to just quit work and just start training dogs um what, what do you, uh, without getting to too much personal details where are you at personally and how much risk can you take to be able to do this and how much are you willing to do it for um yeah. before you can start to say and what is it that you're looking for um what would you call success so that you can continue because i think that um, i'm very curious yeah well for me it was almost like my plan was to finish my like finish my apprenticeship and by that time, hopefully I have enough client base that I can do my dog training for because that's what I want to do. I want to do this. It's fun. It's not a job. I just want to do it. I'll do it for free and do my electrician just to do it for free because it's so I love it. So basically, that was my plan. But then, like for me right now, I'm living with my parents. So I moved out, move in, move out, move in. So I know the next time I move out, I'm not. Like I'm not coming. You're not coming back. Exactly. (laughs) So I was like, I'll do my, I'll do my TAFE, do all that stuff, do the dog training, get some money on the side, save up. Then I'll be moved out. And hopefully by that time, it'll be sweet. 
everything will be good. But basically, I had gotten to a point where I was getting, because it started maybe like one inquiry every two weeks, every one week, so so on and so forth. It just started to build and build. But then there was like a little bit of a turning point where for me, I felt like I was getting a lot better sort of at my structure, doing the sessions, the timing, not like professional, but just I knew what I was doing. You had a bit of a routine, your own sort of rhythm to it. Yeah. And at that same point, then I was starting to get, it's not like the most inquiries in the world, but like enough that I was like, oh, this is a few. And then sort of to the point where I had to, I was just turning a lot of people. Yeah, it was like, like, was it getting hard to service them considering you still had a full-time job? Yeah, well, because I could only do really Friday sometimes when I had TAFE online and then Saturday, Sunday. But then yeah, I'd be then, obviously And then when do you have a day off as well? Yeah, and then I have to train my own dogs, but I also have to do my other things that I do in life, like gym. How dare you? Girlfriend. Maybe yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll see a friend. You know what I mean? <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's like very low on the priority list, which is not good. Um, and then I was yeah, that balance with my partner and she was like, well, like, like if you don't do this now when you have when, all yeah. this client base and you're safe and you're at home and mm-hmm. you pay whatever, like a tiny amount of rent, you have all this safety net, your work is very supportive of what like you do. They always let you do this. They never let you or make you work weekends. When are you going to do it if you don't do it now? And then that's sort of when I was talking to you, Panos, and I was like, you know, oh, let me just see. I can see what Panos says. I just want some insight because this is foreign to me. Like no one I know knows anything about dog training or like anything like that. Um, It's always good to seek advice, right? But ultimately, whose choice is it whether or not you go full time or not? Exactly. Panos can't. He can give you advice. Other people can give you advice. But end of the day, who's got to pull the trigger? And Mm. that's what I thought. And then I was I was driving to work, probably I think this was like three weeks ago it would have been, or like maybe three and a half, four. And I was like, I really don't want to like I don't like why am I doing this? I feel like I'm I'm forcing myself. It's like a grind, like that. Mm. that you can't lie to yourself. Grind. Yeah. But then I felt like I don't actually have to do this. Like I don't have to go. There's something else that I want to do. And he's right there. And it was almost just like it sounds stupid, but it was like a feeling. And I was like, I'm I'm just gonna go in this morning. I'm just gonna tell my project manager can i take two two weeks to six months off i want to do my dog training two weeks to six months well that's i started two weeks <laughs> i didn't want to come in at you know whatever it is six forty five in the morning be like oh like hey mate i, I, want so six I need six off. months off yeah <laughs> i've got a project i'm working on <laughs> and they're all the kind of like oh you should you know you got to stay and do your trade like and i was like guys honestly i'm really not asking for input <laughs> It took a lot of like courage for me to come here this morning and say it. So now here's the thing, right? They say like you should only take advice from people whose lives you want to emulate. That's okay? true. Yeah. So if you don't want to be a Sparky for the rest of your life, that's why would you like. take advice from someone who's a Sparky yeah. for the rest of their and life? Everyone thought that I was crazy, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stop construction and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with animals, and they're like, what are you talking about, exactly. bro? Like exactly. laughing at me, and I'm like, "Oh, screw you!" <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Fortunately, when I called my actual like like actual boss and like the people that matter, no offense, but those people, they were very supportive, and they basically yeah, awesome. look, you have this thing that you love, and it's I trained his dog as well, so I guess that maybe feeds into it a little bit as well. For sure. But, yeah, he was like, "Look, this is a great opportunity. Like, you don't." If you want to do it, like we want you to do it, 
And luckily for them, they're like, "Will you still have a place here? So if it doesn't that's go cool. well, if you want to come yeah. out, if you have a whole that, year, that we'll give you a whole year to off. You as an employee as well, like they, you yeah. build enough of a uh, reputation with them that they would welcome you back if that's that, if it came to that. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I do like I do try hard, and even though I was getting to that point, where I was like, oh, I don't need to do this. I still was like, no, like obviously, doesn't matter if this is my dream job. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna do it like it's my own business. So basically, they were really supportive, which is very helpful for me. And then I was like, look, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Let's see how it goes. It's the only way. Just gotta jump in. And so far, it's been very fun and good. That's awesome. That's so, so cool. What, man. what does a day look like now as a full time dog trainer? Okay, so <laughs> this is what I'm basically, I'm getting getting better at as these weeks progress. But because I had such a build up. I wanted to schedule these people in because I was like, I don't want these people waiting for three months. So my first week, which was last week, um, I I did too many. I just did way too much. How many? How many is too many? I just did two a day, but two two hours for I think four days in a row. Okay, and you'd never you'd never done that before. Yeah, it's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of talking because the initial sessions are obviously for me. I do my initial sessions about two hours. Um, we go through a lot. So a lot of it is just chatting, but we go through a lot. And if I'm doing that and then the next session, it's the same thing. So I'm mm-hmm. saying the same things, yeah. but I have to remember that each client, it's their first time with me. So even though I've just done this diatribe with someone, the new person, it's a whole new thing. So I have to go into it with the same energy. Mm-hmm. And I can't just skip over something that I'm like, oh, that's a little thing. So I'll just skip over, you know, why if you sit your dog and they break it and you want them to stay, you should sit them back in the exact same place rather than like, I shouldn't skip over that or whatever it is that I do. I can't skip over the little details because the reason I have them in there is because they are important. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit of like fatigue, but I was also feeling a little bit sick. Like, Is that you stress or distress? (laughs) (laughs) There was some you stress going on there. That's fucking awesome. So it's a lot of talking, but right, it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot of energy. Yeah, and and I've done that. Like I've done, obviously, I've done like I've done like eight or ten sessions from a Saturday to Monday, but it's just a different. It was just a different thing because I know, okay, tomorrow I have it, and it was obviously fine, and it was still fun. Yeah. But at work, I do meal prep, and I'm used to prepping. But when I do dog training, because it's only on the weekends, I was like, I'll just eat when I get home. So I'm in that same mindset of I'm just doing it on the weekends. So I'm not taking any food. And I've just got my water bottle. I'm like almost dead by the time yes. I finish because I have no food. And my routine is a little bit out of whack now. Look, I think one thing that's that's cool about like the like doing it full time on the road, you're like this lone wolf. You're like the lone ranger. You're like, you're here, there, you're everywhere. What time do I start today? Oh, I've got to go here. I've got to go there. And that compared to go to work, you clock on, you do your job, you leave. There's security in that and you get paid. And I'm jealous sometimes of that um, because the chaos of like, oh, they reschedule and try to make someone here and, and you're here and you're doing and you're like on these like, it's such a, it's a pattern, there's structure, but it's not set routine. And I think even though there is the stress, well, you get used to it, the stress of it's there, it's, it kind of keeps you more engaged and alive rather than going through emotions. Um, and I think um, there is a big reward in that is that, you know, working through that motion of the day. And of course, you know, the other day I did like 27,000 steps and that wasn't 
that was just working, not to mention thinking and talking and problem solving and dealing with people. Let them talk. Let, let you explain. Yeah, it gets, it gets a lot, you know, and you think, oh, yeah, you get to play with dogs all day. You're so lucky. You're like, oh, you have no idea, bro. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm curious. Overall, would you say you're an extrovert or an introvert, Elijah? I would, I mean, probably if we're probably more to extrovert, but I don't, yeah. like, I'm not going to come into a room and be like, yeah, what's up? But like. Well, they say that the best way to measure it is um, how do you, does being around people give you energy or take energy? It gives me energy for a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, no, I definitely would lean more to extrovert. Mm -hmm. But I am very, I can be very docile. That's interesting. You asked that, Luke. I feel feel like an extrovert. I think that's kind of obvious, but (laughs) I crave being alone. But then, and look, and, and I can really appreciate alone time. Mm. Um, but I think that's only because I, I guess I've put the energy and the thought into you need to spend some time with yourself because you got to know who you are to you and not who you are to other people. But yeah, you got to like feed off of your rock up. Like I could be having the worst day and I'm at work and I'm like, this is therapy, bro. You know, because I'm, as you said, I never thought of it. I'm getting energy from this. It's like I'm stealing their energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> is, is that, what do you think of that? Is that a is that more is that a extroverts need the that that sort of engagement so that they can get more spoons, so to speak, to get more yeah. extroverts um, crave interaction mm. and they generally get gain more energy from being around other people. Whereas yeah. it's the opposite for introvert. I'm very introverted. Right, but I can I can play the extrovert. I can tolerate people, but, not, but <laughs> no, it's not that. But not just not for not for like a huge amount of time. Yeah, interesting. And do you now, reckon extroversion that plays a part? and introversion is one of the big five um, personality traits? So it's like well, it's well documented at this point, right? Yeah, extroversion well. versus introversion, um, openness. There's a whole bunch of them. Sorry, my alarm's going off. Um, but it's like one of the major ones, right? That's why I was curious. Like to be, I feel like to be, to be a full-time dog trainer, which I'm not, right? Um, I don't think it would be easy to be an introvert and to do that because it's just oh. so much talking. Yeah. And you yeah. have to be like- You're a full-time coach. Yeah. And when you go- Forget about the dogs. Session. It's the people. For All sure. people. Unless you're just people doing board as well. You know? Yeah. So you have to- like some people be like looking at you and they're taking it in and they're enjoying the session, They are, but their response is very, yeah. <laughs> and you got to gauge that too. You, yeah. you think, oh, what am I, is this bad? Is this really bad? Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm on fire today. And the person's just like, yeah. I'm like, do you no. understand? Is this making sense? Yeah. No, my dad taught me something really important because um, for his job, he, and he wasn't a coach, but he, when he was explaining something like in the accounting thing, He's like, do you understand? People said, yes. He goes, tell me what I just said. And they're like, I don't know. And they're like, yeah. and so I try to go, so do you get that? And as soon as they say, yeah, 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 really quickly, I'm like, so what did I just say? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, the quicker they say yes, the more they didn't hear it. And saying yeah. that's cool. You just, and I'm not like trying to put it on you. I'm just, I'm talking too fast probably. And I'm assuming you know what the hell I'm talking about. And you probably have no idea. And they're like, correct. I'm like, let's go back a Which few is steps. what Elijah was talking about before. It's yeah. like, especially on a first session. Blast like all them. the stuff that we know about dogs now, it's just like, I, I just like, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you didn't know that. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> how do you? And like, you're trying tail to. Tail wagging? Is it tail wagging? 
Yeah, but like for example, I wouldn't know the first thing about being an electrician, you know, and so mm. you have to like explain it from that perspective and like be super patient and like, hey, they've paid you and they've taken time out of their day to bring you into their home and train their dog, you know what I mean? And like you have to explain it on a level that they that when yeah. you leave, they can still do the thing, you know, because you're only there for two hours or an hour or whatever it is. Well, Brad Griggs put something up the other day. He's like, what does it mean to be a dog training thing? I just play with dogs all day. And then he like listed like, I think it was like 27 things like, you know, I'm a bookkeeper, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm, I, I'm a psychologist sometimes, I'm a counsellor sometimes, you know, it's like I'm podcasting where I'm dealing with that social media, bah, 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 bah. And the dog training and behaviour thing was like two of the points. You know, you got to deal with like, each different person and their psychology and all that. And the only way you're going to, you couldn't even read that in a book. It's good to know the stuff, but you know, you, and, and uh, there's another thing that I think is interesting for n- newer dog trainers to hear, but for everybody is um, dealing with the difficult dogs or the difficult clients or just dealing with dogs in general, how to overcome that at the beginning, like, Oh my God, I actually don't know what to do. And, and how to tackle that. Like, he's like, we can try something. And even now for me, like, and I'd really try to like keep some humility to be like, look, like, I don't know. We're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else, but let's give it a go. And like, I think that's really important rather than thinking that you have to have all the answers. Cause I think that's so toxic to your own self to be like, Oh my God, I don't have the answer to this really complex situation. And they think that I know everything. I have to come up with some shit and act as if it's like, gospel Uh, i think that could be really bad but the only way you know you did that and to fix it is by going through that sort of humiliating situation be like oh you left going holy shit that was so bad Um, have you had any of those moments recently yeah but that like like you said basically when people when you like when i don't know something (laughs) you're good damn choked all right let's go like, I try to. I'm good. I really want people to know, like, when I talk to them, I'm like, I don't know everything, but I think I know a lot of things that will work. But if it doesn't work and you're doing it and you clearly say this is not working, then don't do it because yeah. it isn't working for your dog. So basically, like, yeah, I had a, I had a really, a really hard dog. Like, just every basically dog I trained for, like, first maybe like 20 dogs was a staffy. Like all of them, and then do you feel like there's old- more staffies in Western Sydney? Oh, yeah. is that a thing? Yeah, there's it's they're everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. It's because it's the cool guy dog to get young, like nineteen, twenty five year old to twenty five year old guy. I'll just get this dog, this staffy, yeah. and I'll name him Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, damn, that's yeah. so true. I had yeah. this. It wasn't the dog was very difficult, like just a foster dog, apparently had the best life, but just, you know, a few things, great with dogs, great with people, great with kids, all of that untrue. And the lady who had this dog was, she must be, she's a lovely lady, but she's probably about 75. So she's like old. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like- what are we going to do? Like, I have no idea. I come into the house, the dog is going berserk at me and not just like, oh, I'm scared. Like the dog has bit, like biting, biting me, things like that. But not, it's not a serious bite, but just like the dog is not just like, oh, I'm scared. I'm running away. It will do something if I push it. So, I was like, oh my God. 
what do we do with this dog? So that was one of those moments. But I explained sort of to the lady, I was like, look, I'm going to try this. We're going to do this. This is how I think it will go. And it didn't, you know, seem like it was working. And I was just doing basic stuff. Like I was just coming in, you know, ignoring this dog, trying to have a chat to her while it's going ballistic at me, seeing its response to food. I was just throwing food around just to see what the dog does, things like that. That was my experience of like, oh, my God, like what the fuck am I even doing? Why am Mm -hmm. I doing this? Well, there's a certain element of like she's looking to you for like, hey, man, you're the guy in this situation who who knows what to do. Like I'm following, I'm like, I'm following your lead here. Yeah. And that was, that was scary, but I did, it was, it all ended up well. And what I thought would work did work. It was just a little bit of a time thing, but I basically went from not being able to give that dog food at all from my hand. Like he would not take food for weeks and weeks. I think even maybe like two or three months to by the end of like working with her, playing with the dog, like that dog playing with me, tug, fetch and not wanting to eat me. So that's awesome. That was one of the moments I was like, oh my God, if I stick to what I know in my brain will work. And if I stick to all the things that I've done before and I don't just, you know, be a nervous wreck, I think things will have like good things will happen. That was my first moment of just like, oh my god! But it did end up going well. So two two questions I have. One is, do you use your dogs for the like you know the reactivity sort of situations? I know you prepared to use like Ollie, which is the older one. Is that right, Ollie? Um, do you, do you use them? Do they come out to work with you and and you utilize them? Yeah, Ollie. That was and that was my first dog that I used Ollie with. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how to do it because I didn't want him to get attacked. And he'll be fine. Like, even if he does get attacked, like, he's, like, literally, he'll be fine. Yeah, no, you don't want that. I don't, don't want, want that. For sure. <laughs> the first thing I did with Ollie, with him, was just get the dog, you know, doing all our walking, doing a few, just onto the place, walk in a circle, onto the place, walk in a circle. And then I just had Ollie behind a fence. So, they had a park with just a fenced-in section, which was just very lucky. And I just had Ollie there just standing there. Mm-hmm. And we just got to the point where even though it was a fence, we got this dog right up to the fence, this very reactive dog, right up to the fence with Ollie, just chill, standing there. So that was the first time I used Ollie. And then from then I started to figure out like the best way because he had never done anything like this before. So for him, and I tell my clients this all the time, when I'm using Ollie, I had to teach him this stuff on the fly because he didn't know oh, I'm just supposed to get out of the car and stay in a down now for the next yeah. 10 minutes. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do that. I want to go and smell and play. He doesn't care that the dog's there. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't could care less about the dog. But yeah. so he's very, he's quite neutral to other dogs. Yeah. Like he'll, yeah. he used to when he was younger want to play, but we sort of established you can't play with a dog unless I've given you the cue. Mm-hmm. So for him, you know, some sessions we a puppy session, I'll get him out of the car and it's like, okay, off you go, run to the house, let's go and play with the puppy. But then some sessions it's now we get out of the car and you might be in a down for the next five minutes or I might get you in and out of the car or we might go to the backyard. Like, And, and one thing that, that does, or a couple of things that happen to our dogs is that we have to put them in these situations all the time is that, you know, I was saying the other day, I'm like, I wish I had like seven of them. We're like, Every few days you rotate them. We're like, now you can see after a year almost, Chili's like. Oh, Don't let do um, Tanya hear you say that. You've already, yeah, got, no. two, you've already got two, bro. A, three. A, three dogs. Yeah, three dogs. Bad. You've got yeah, three exactly. dogs. Um, now, look, it's, um, it wears them out 
um, big time. You know, you got to be really careful, like how you manage it and, and things like that and really put the effort in to all the separate training and all that sort of stuff to kind of keep them level. But also, um, you know, it's like the risk of it too, right? You know, um, and another thing that is really important to kind of cover is it's cool that you have learnt the skills to do the thing, your timing and your pressure intensity and the marking and the rewarding and what you're doing, counter conditioning, all that sort of stuff. It's now breaking it down into, and it's kind of cool that it's like newish because you can explain it how you feel it. But yeah, explaining that process to be like, this is what you're going home with because I know I can do this. Now you see it, it's possible, but it doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to go up to the fence where there's a dog there and just expect him not to bark. And like yeah. that's really kind of, that's where the biggest lessons have to be learned. It's like learning about, you know, he had to learn on the fly. You're learning how to do it on the fly. And I think not on the fly, like in terms of doing it in real life um, with other people, it's such a different dynamic, right? Like you have to th- constantly be thinking about it over and over again. How can I address it? How can I talk about it? And that's just going to keep evolving. Like that's never, ever going to stop unless you're just that person just keep saying the same advice, exactly the same decade after decade is like, come on, like you're not growing and learning. So I think it's really important to hit up those seminars, be in that network and being with people. Like, I think that's something that all trainers need to be doing all the time is constantly be growing and learning because um, we can even learn even from everyone's experience. And that's why it's cool to have these conversations is someone who's been training dogs for ages can be listened to going, Oh my God, um, Elijah had an experience and, his perspective of it allowed me to see it differently. And I think that's, that's really cool. That's awesome. How have you been with um, training your dog since you went full time? Have you noticed that it's been a little bit harder to make that time? Well, like depends. It depends how I schedule it because for me, like what I used to do is just walk my dog in the, like walk both of them in the morning and then of an afternoon individual, just something. Cause they like different things. So maybe like a bike ride with Ollie and then Murphy, I just do, we just do heaps of obedience in like the front, media strip whatever thing but now if ollie's with me the whole day that's fine because we'll just stop at the park and like he's very lazy so it's not like he just wants to walk around and sniff smell and piss on things yeah he's easy in that regard but with murphy just come home and he's he's fine now whatever he's actually sick like unfortunately he's like he's actually dying so oh sure yeah he's got cardiomyopathy which i just it's like a recent thing I don't really talk about it, but yeah, so he's, he's sort of in the decline. So I can't really, the vets, mm. I'm not supposed to do anything with him, but it's not like, I'm not doing that. Like he, they given him sorry like, to you, bro. how long yeah, he's just live? on medications. Like he's just on something called Cardashaw, which like yeah. thins the blood. So now his heart can actually pump it through his body. But, Damn it. But yeah. It's not great. But because of that, sorry, bro. he sort of like, we can't, I can't throw the ball for him for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't go out yeah. some days it's actually good for him because the vet's like he can't go out at all don't do anything with him how, how did you find out that he had it he had a some like dermatitis i think probably at the start of the year went got that checked out that was fine but then he started breathing very funny he started going like and like coughing like a, a fur ball mm-hmm. so i looked it up and i was like oh it's probably just like maybe it's like a collapsed lung something like that that's just what Fucking i can google yeah, that's what. Yeah, the cough's like, definitely heart thing. Went to the vet. He he feels his like sort of stomach heart area. I was like, this dog, this dog has cardiomyopathy. Like just from feeling it, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, obviously we we'll, we need to figure out what this is because it's like it's not normal. He's a very good vet. Um, basically went 
through what he thought end up being exactly correct. So his heart, his heart is massive. Like it's just like they gave me the measurements. I can't remember, but it's like so it's it's bigger than it should be. Basically, oh, it's like it's incredibly like large. The basically the, that he can feel it in his chest cavity. You can you could see it. Like if wow. I put him in this room right now and put the camera on, you can see his heart like almost beating out. Oh, Oh my gosh! Is, this, is that a golden retriever thing, or like any dog can get it? He said this is like this is so random. It's not. It's not something he's had. It's just something that has randomly developed, and it just mm. happens to. You can't ever pick it, so you don't know why they get it. It's just mm. like one of those yeah, things. That sucks. Then, like a genetic so, thing, maybe. Yeah, basically that. Not, I mean, yeah, maybe. But he said he seems to not think so. He said these things they don't just happen. happen anomaly. It happens. Okay. So yeah, basically, um. Yeah, the vet and the scan, the ultrasound guy, the scanner was like, it's incredible that this dog is alive. Like, when they scan the heart, they're like, it doesn't make sense for him to even still be alive. So, that was probably, I don't know, that might have been like two two months ago. And he's just like to me, just be aware he's just going to drop dead at any second. So, obviously, mm-hmm. the first day, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, this is fucked. That's heavy. Like, yeah. Fuck. But now, it's sort of just like. I don't know. It's just one of those things, I guess. You have. Dogs. Well, you live every life, every day, like it's your last, literally, and you yeah. can appreciate every moment more and have more gratitude for it. And the gratitude that the journey that he's put you on, well, like man, without him, you yeah. wouldn't be here. And it's almost like, you know, the, these, you know, and and happenings like you know these things happen um, happen to me as well with Rocky and all that. Um, it's crazy. In the moment, you're like nothing seems fair, but I think. Um, he was looking out for you on the other side. Oh, there's definitely a lesson. For now. me, I just see he came here, taught me what I needed. Yeah. Gave me this life now. And now mm, it's done, so to it's depart. Go, which is that's it's nice that's to think it. about it like that. So. Well, I I actually when you're saying it, I, I, that me personally and the way that I I would perceive it is exactly how I would see it. Yeah. Um it's exactly like what this photo is with Rocky here. He stands in the this is um the day before he was diagnosed with leukemia. Um and this dog literally changed my life. My dad was taking a photo of the sunset and that dog stood right, right, right in the middle of the, there's a, there's a sun setting and there's water and then there's like a strip of light and he stood right in the middle of it. And it's, and like, we can go into like heaps of detail what I think the photo actually means. And my dad's like, oh, cool photo. Um, and I'm like, oh, amazing photo is like, I've come here, teach you something, put you on a journey, but I've got to go. Exactly. I'll be back. I'll see you on the other side. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's trippy. Yeah, that's wow. like, that's literally exactly how I how I see it. Like he's come, oh. he's done his time here and wow. uh, in whatever iteration he'll he'll be back, but just as something. So you else. literally would never you wouldn't you would never have probably become a dog trainer without him. No way. I would have and, just had Ollie going yeah. through life, been at the cafe, all good. Mm. Yeah, right. That's crazy. And look, you can truly flip. Like, look, everyone goes through different sit- situations. I remember my mentor said, with every can of worms you close, another one opens. And every situation is always going to be teaching you something. There's no, like, getting on top of it all. I don't think that ever exists. What the hell do I know? But um, I think it's in the middle of it all. It's tough. It's 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 such a painful situation to see your dog, you know, and he's young as well, to, to be going through that and to know it. It's not like he just dropped dead one day. It's like you're now more aware of it. Yeah. There is a sense of li- liberty, liberty to it because you can like see it for what it is and appreciate it, but then also like it's so sad and depressing. Um, and um, you know you stay strong with it. Um, and I think what you what 
what you can give him now because you know i think he's um i, I think that's the funnest part that's the yeah. most enjoyable part every walk we go and he's wow. like it's just fun to like be with him and be like look what we can do now and we we never we never did this it was always conflict and now him and i have the best relationship we're like a like the same thing like i can just be like we'll walk here we go there like it's it's good well look my truest passion the real thing that i'm truly passionate about in in the work that i do is that i love dogs and i had to learn about dog training if i wanted to teach people to have an amazing life with their dog and the connection they have with their dog is that yeah they're teaching them stuff but the dog is definitely teaching them stuff so maybe we can wrap it up on what give me one or a couple of things that your dogs have actually taught you um like not about dog training but about in your own personal life and growth. Mm. Probably Maybe I should have just, made you prepare for that one. Yeah. I think just like, like what having like Murphy taught me is that anything that I think can't be solved or something that I'm like, this is never, ever going to change. Like that's just not a thought. That's not, that's not something mm. that happens. If you want something to change or if you can envision it and you can put the steps in place to do it, it can happen. That's so powerful. He just taught me that through like how he was. I was like, no, he can't be a different dog. Like he's a wreck. Mm. That's it. And then his transformation into like basically like, you know, he's probably like he, I, you can never reach, I think, what the dog's full potential, but I feel very close to like that transformation showed me that. That's every single thing in life. It's not just dog training. It's not just this. It's everything. It's it's a stock market. It's uni. It's whatever you want to do. It's electrical. Anything you want to do, doesn't matter where you start. If the time and effort has been put in and the diligence, attention to detail and just the work, good quality work, you can get to whatever that place is that you envision. Because that's like heaven for me with Murph. How he is now, he's mm. like, that's like me. I don't know. Someone wants to be like famous or this or rich or that. that that's... I'm already done that with Murphy, I think. That's my, like, place that I wanted to get to in life. Mm. I just finished a book called Think and Grow Rich, and then that was one of it's that, you know, like, literally you think and you grow rich. It's not about, like, a woo-woo, we can just manifest whatever you think about. Like, you want, you can ma- you can manifest things, but the time, the effort, the energy, and the belief, like, you have to have a real belief in it. And you believed that there could be change because your personality is no, we're going to fix this. What do you mean? I take life by the bulls and I control it. And what do you mean the dog's going to be like that? But there, there was a sense of, well, look at this dog. Like, look how messed up he is. How could, how could this be ever fixed? And you could see that in your own life to be like, look where I am now. This is so tough. And how can I even get through it? But you, but this moment of that hardship now, you could look back at it in, from the future and gone, yeah, that was a catalyst to change. Yeah. And that's what made me so much better. And it's like, oh, wow, that's heavy. That's powerful. It is crazy to look back on it like that, actually. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Let's let's um, we'll put a line under it for tonight because it's like nine thirty, and we're probably all getting get ready for bed pretty soon. Oh, getting all excited. We just tell got started. The, uh, Come on. Tell, tell the <laughs> listeners where they can find you. I know you've got like ten thousand followers on Instagram, uh, so you're doing well on there. So right. how can how can people track you down? They can at Apex Dog Training. I think it's at Apex Dog Training. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, at Apex Dog Training on Instagram. We'll put it in the description. Uh, I don't know. I just made a TikTok. I yeah. hate it, but I'm just doing it anyway. So, okay. basically just on that and on Facebook if you can find it. I feel like if you make a video for Instagram, you can probably just post it on That's TikTok exactly anyway, right? I've just been posting all my Instagram videos on TikTok. Can't hurt. 
That's it. And your website is apexdogtraining.com.au. Yeah, thanks for that. No worries. I was re- <laughs> I was reading it before, so there you go. There's a plug. Yes. Well, it was um, it was fun to have you on, bro. Thanks Thank for coming you guys on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. You're very very welcome, bro. Keep at it, and um, you're putting out some good stuff on there. People are learning, so just keep doing what you're doing, and um, good luck with everything that that comes to you, and and we hope that Murphy lives many more years to come. Yeah, well, I'll I'll keep you updated. Please, brother. <laughs> awesome, you're a good man. man. Thanks, guys. All good. See you, bro. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website, npdogtraining.com, or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.